What's up, film fans, and welcome back to another episode. Episode there. Let's try that again. What's up, film fans, and welcome back to another episode of What the Flick, where today we're asking the important question: just what the hell happens in Dead Poets Society? What the flick? What the flick? We don't know what a movie is. Gonna tell you what we think it's about with the help of the person we're figuring out. What the flick? What the flick? Gonna write a film that already exists. We'll be doing it, but because we're so cool and back to two years left in school. What the flick? What the flick? We're never gonna watch that shit. Got better writers than Steven Spielberg. Good directors are all dumb nerds. What the flick? What the flick? That's the name of the podcast. It's almost time, so make some noise. It's time for the poster boys. So what the flick? Yeah, I forgot to say the way your poster boys, Matt and Mac. But we are <laughs> that's the, true. that thing. We we are the poster boys, and we've Enough. got a poster today from a Robin Williams movie uh, called Dead Poets Society that neither of us have seen. I, I think it's famous. I don't. I know feel how like I haven't seen this. Like I really don't know how I haven't because I know I know like, this is similar to the last episode. I don't know a lot about it, but I know references of it, like the bit where people stand on the table and say, Captain, my captain, or something. Oh, like. is that this movie? Yeah, but that's all I know. I okay. Don't know the, I, don't, I don't know what the relevance of that is. <laughs> this seems like it would be really up your street. Just one of these, like, yeah, really heartwarming, un- <laughs> unnecessarily inspirational, heartwarming, Robin yeah. Williams probably in a cardigan, playing yeah. a semi serious role. This seems like one you'd, you know, you'd watch yeah. with a. Hot chocolate and have a cry too. Yeah, this this is a real like Mac bait film. This, yeah, <laughs> it is really like um, everyone is a slightly comedic actor doing a sad role, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> let me at it. <laughs> so the poster for this is there's not too much going on, right? It's a group of kids all wearing the same uniform. Yeah. Could be school children, could be a cult, could be the scouts. I don't know what they wear. Mm-hmm. Um and they are holding aloft uh late great comedy actor uh rip pour one out for a real one robin williams They're in front uh, of a hedge. and carrying him <laughs> in front of a hedge the tagline is he was their inspiration he made their lives extraordinary and i'm assuming that that refers to the guy at the front yeah, there's one guy in this poster who's having the fucking time of his life. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a bit of he's got a bit of slightly military buzz cut. He's having yeah. the best time. He's holding Robert, one of Robin Williams's legs. Here's yeah. my read of this. I think that Robin Williams. I think that these kids are part of a society mm-hmm. that murders literary figures, <laughs> and they're on their way to throw Robin Williams off a bridge. You think this is a midsummer situation, do you? Yeah, I think this is a folk horror <laughs> midsummer <laughs> situation. This school has a English literary teacher turns up every year and is murdered by the class at the end once they've wrote their great poem. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah, this, this is a class that inspires writers to do the best work they've ever put out over the course of a year and then kills them by throwing them off a bridge. Okay, so my my read of it the op- was quite the opposite, actually, right? Okay. Where I thought, I thought Robin Williams was a ghost. Ah. Right, and the idea is that he was their inspiration, is that he is a dead poet, and maybe it's like they all get to get, they all get together and read poems and stuff, and then that's the idea is that of the that would make the tagline less shit or less boring, right? Of them being like, he was their inspiration, and he made their lives extraordinary, but his life can't because he's already dead. Do you know what I mean? That's where I was. Yeah, was that's good. From. Yeah, because he. My read was more of a sinister, like, you're our inspiration, Mr. Williams. <laughs> yeah. You know, would you like to live extraordinarily? 
I'm happy to go either path. Or maybe they kill him at the start and then he is a ghost the rest of the film. Maybe. Maybe he gets killed at the start and then he's a ghost trying to save the next poet who's going to become the dead, you know, the next, the guy who's going to be the next oh. dead poet. Once again, I had a very slight different read on it when you went, maybe, what I thought you were going to say is, maybe he is the English teacher, right? And is killed. But by the next English teacher, who's a serial killer, and he has now has to come back and help the kids uh, escape oh, him. I see. But because he was killed while reading poetry, you can only speak in rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> so everything he says has to be a rhyming couplet. That's very good, but it doesn't does it doesn't leave a lot of space for Robert Williams' famous semi-improvisational style. Yeah, if only if this was like I don't know, somebody could do freestyle rap, it would have been better. If this was yeah. If, if Dead Poets said he had Eminem, we would have had a problem with what my film plot was. Um, All right, so how about this then? Robin Williams plays a a washed up former celebrated writer. Mm-hmm. Forced to take a job at a elite private school in the country. Yeah, right. Um, just to make ends meet, he turns up. It's a bit weird. There's something not quite. You know, there's something a bit off about the school, but he doesn't worry about it too much. Maybe he drinks yeah. because that's or and he's not really trying. Um, but these kids, you know, they are super. They're great. Mm-hmm. They really want to learn. They really want to, they really, you know, seem to enjoy his work and he enjoys the sort of ego boost. They've all read his stuff. They're all really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they all know their stuff. And he's like, oh man, this is great. Not only am I being an inspiration to these kids, they're also being an inspiration to me. I thought it was th- I who would be teaching them, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. one night he's in there and bam, the ghost of Coolio appears. Oh, a very recent reference. <laughs> a, very, a very, very recent person. <laughs> Can please carry on. The ghost of Coolio, author of Rappers, like, not that one. Gangster, author of Gangster's, Gangster's Paradise. Paradise a, a dissimilar song to Rappers Delight. Oh, those, those are incredibly similar titles, aren't they? That is, that is literally like someone's done a parody song of one of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, so the ghost of Coolio appears and is talking in rhyme, but because he's talking in metaphorical poetry, mm-hmm. Robin Williams doesn't know what he's talking about. He's really scared. He wakes up. He thinks it was all a dream. But he starts getting haunted more and more by the ghost of Coolio. Right. As, you know, he's trying to teach these kids and, you know, he's developing bonds with all of them. Mm-hmm. And what, it, what happens is you slowly realise that what's going on is, you know, these kids are not all they seem. And the reason that they're so well-read and so good at writing and so, you know, switched on is that they're part of like this, you know, they made a pact with like some sort of demon or old god or something that allows them to take the powers of various, you know, of, of literary figures, but they have to murder them to do it. They have to sacrifice them and then they get their literary prowess. And they've been doing this for ages, you know. They've been getting uh, great writers, great thinkers into this school, and then they've been knocking them off and gaining their powers. I have to tell you something, right, about how genuinely strange what you're saying is, because I have an incredibly similar story. 
Okay. That has genuinely happened in my real life. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. All right. Yeah, crack on. Coolio performed at my university multiple times. <laughs> the last okay. time he performed... I wasn't I wasn't there, to be clear. This is before I attended, but this is like a known thing and it's not like one of those like urban legend things. Constantly on like the internet you just get like notifications of be like, Have you heard this t- the story about the time this happened to Coolio, right? He tried to stage dive and everyone moved and he hit the ground and knocked himself out and oh, the people man. in the venue robbed him. People in the venue all piled onto Coolio and took all the shit off him and ran out. And he got that's up the ag- funniest shit I've ever heard. He got up again and was like bleeding from the face and had just his phone, his wallet, like all the chains on him is were all gone. And the security that's didn't incredible. do anything because they're like, like, well, obviously he's stage dive. Everyone's just fucking about. They're all just you know helping him. Like no one thought anything about it. And he got robbed and he obviously never came back. But it's genuinely all over the internet if you look up like Coolio Staffordshire University incident. LRV was the name of the venue. It's like the whole fucking thing of him getting robbed and there's videos and shit of it and it's fucking wild. But that's what I imagine this is like. They're all just like, hee hee hee. Convince him to play yeah. at the studio and all the kids are on top of him just pilfering the the very rhymes from his soul. It's like reaching Sucking the poetry out of his very yeah, idols. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, and maybe you're going to, you can see flashbacks to the, they've done it to Coolio. They've done it to, um, I don't know other, other other people. Biggie. Sure, yeah, maybe these are the big guys that killed Tupac and Biggie. <laughs> A bunch of middle upper class British children. Yeah. No wonder the police can figure out who did it. <laughs> they're all just incredible gangster rap authors yeah. and yeah. Robin Williams is like how can these kids write gangster rap with such authenticity they've never had a day of hardship in their lives this is genuinely like the Chris Turner origin story you know that guy who like raps just people in the crowd give him examples that he raps about it but he's from Oxford <laughs> this, is like, this is the story of how he came to be I yeah. tweet him about this afterwards <laughs> and so yeah it's the story of how the ghost of Coolio has to try and save Robin Williams from this cult of murderous school children. So obsessed with poetry. Yeah, exactly. So obsessed with poetry and with literary prowess that they'll literally do anything. Yeah. You know? And I think they're all, you know, otherwise very nice kids, right? I don't think there's anything off about them necessarily. They're otherwise completely normal, but just like once a year they have to murder a literary figure. They have like a, a weird seance thing where they murder them as they're doing the seance and then absorb the skills from them and leave them just huskless spirits roaming yeah or, or maybe they've like they've got their souls in like jars or some shit uh just in books sure like just real like on the nose they're all just in books right yes and so because i was thinking jars because then they could just like have a little sippy from them Mm, be they'd be like oh man i really i I need to write um <laughs> maybe they're all in links africa cans because they're all teenage boys <laughs> yeah that's very good yeah. like, oh i need to write a sonnet you know uh i'll just we'll, we'll i'll just go and find us one of our sonnet writers give them a little spritz and then they've got, yeah. suddenly got the inspiration to write a great sonnet you know it'd be very funny as well if you have like a, a repeated bit where robin williams is kind of like god this school stinks <laughs> stinks of links africa <laughs> and they can never figure out what it is he's like i know kids do that thing where they play rugby and they just put on links without showering but this is ridiculous this whole school stinks of links <laughs> 
school stinks of links and ghosts. <laughs> stinks of links and ectoplasm. Every bloody room I've got. There's a strong smell of weed in some of the rooms, depending on who's been around. Um, right. So wait. Well, so what actually will happen here? So Robin Williams at the start is nice teacher. Kids are all nice. He's like, well, I think no. Right. I think Robin Williams is like a. He's like a. He's like a shitty beardy robin williams you know yeah he's like yeah, a yeah. down on his luck robin williams he's like ah, oh, i used to be living the high life but now no mm. one wants to read my poems yeah um i you know i haven't sold a book in 10 years i've spent all my money i'm drinking a bottle of whiskey and i get he gets a call from like an old friend maybe who's like hey um robin williams what's we need a name for the character or, I was going to say Orson Welles, but that's like, <laughs> Maybe, oh, maybe can the principal of the school be actual Orson Welles? He's like, I still think you have talent. <laughs> you can come work here. Yeah. Um, yes. I, think his, I think his name is Ed Poets Society. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very good. So, yeah, Ed Poets Society gets a call from Orson Welles, his old friend. He's like, hey, I've heard you've fallen on hard times. I'm running an exclusive private school, and our last teacher, Coolio, tragically died very suddenly, and we need someone to take his place. Will you come and start the new school year as their English teacher? You know, we'll give you a house, we'll give you a salary. Uh, you don't have to worry about money or about someone to live for at least a year. Get yourself back on your feet. And Robin Williams is like. I can't teach, but I've got no other choice. I'll go. Yeah, maybe like the first day. He, he's he's a bit rude to the students, but they're all just so well behaved. They're like, yeah, so exactly. And so I think you? and maybe they all have really excited. He's coming because they're like, oh, we've read your work. We've read yeah, your we've, stuff. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. you've read my poems. Yeah. And then, yeah. And so you see him. He's slowly coming out of his shell, becoming more inspired. Maybe he starts to write poetry again. You know, you see yeah. like... Maybe you see sort of a thing where he's talking with. Uh, we should probably name like two or three of these kids. I think we got to name the one who really looks like he's the ringleader. Okay, his name is Ringo. Ringo suitcase. Ringo suitcase. And so he's talk. He's chatting with Ringo, and Ringo's talking about you know an interpretation of Shakespeare or something. And he's like, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. That's actually applicable to my life, you know. Mm -hmm. And I've actually I've got a bit of sort of inspiration from this kid. And so you see the classic scene where he's like coming back in, you know, feeling good. And he like looks at himself in the mirror and he's, you know, you, and then you see him look at like a bottle of shaving foam or something. Mm. And then the next day he's back in class. He's clean shaven. He's got a yeah. suit on. He's, you know, got a cup of coffee in his hand. He's not drinking anymore. And he's really, you know, he's, he's putting his life back together with the help of these kids. Yeah, But then good. one fateful night, he has the first visitation from Coolio. Hey, Coolio's like, you don't... Well, everything he says has to rhyme, right? But maybe because you yeah. say like, it's, all, it's all metaphorical, maybe he only ever gets like one rhyming couplet and then he disappears again. Um, he says, just appears and he's like, you might think you're part of the team, but uh, Ringo suitcase, not what he seems. So then just fades into the wall. <laughs> And uh, he's like, oh, it's probably just a bad dream, right? It's probably just, I probably yeah, yeah, because again, you know, he's recovering. He's like, he's gone from being essentially a functional alcoholic to 
Yeah. You know, only drinking coffee. It's probably just my body reacting. It's just my body reacting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. just having nightmares. I'm having withdrawal symptoms. It's nothing to worry about. But he keeps showing up and then maybe one day he finds like maybe one day Robin Williams um sees a couple of the boys acting mysterious or something. Mm. Well, I was going to say maybe he's talking to one of the other teachers and he's like um I'm sure it was very hard to lose a member of staff who's been here so long. And the other teachers are like, oh, Curly had only been here a year. In fact, he yeah. only he only started um, September 3rd last year. And Ron Williams is like, but I started September 3rd. Yeah, and in fact, they're like, yeah, no, we, we, we do seem to go through English teachers, you know? And then obviously he gets out his iPhone and Googles. <laughs> gets out his, his big um, iPhone out of his pocket. So Googles, what's the name of the school? Uh, he's got to be an academy of some sort, I think. Um. Oh, uh, maybe it, maybe we could make it spell death. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like or um, Devon Educational Academy in brackets townhouse because it's a boarding school. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I don't. Maybe I'm not. I'm actually not going to put the Google thing. So I'll try and keep it at the time period, even though Curly was in it. But he just like goes through all the school <laughs> records, and he's like. Like, when is this set? I don't think we actually established when this. Uh, it's like I think it's like the sixties or something. Maybe it's certainly not during a war, if I recall the very little bit I know of it. But it seems older than the eighties or something, you know. So okay, well let's call it. Let's say sixties then. That yeah. seems okay to me. I just think that maybe he's going through the school records and he's like Coolio, sixty. You know, September third, sixty four. And he looks at yeah. the back and it's like notorious big <laughs> september 3rd you know 63 1964 yeah and, uh, the year before he's like pj and duncan together <laughs> september 3rd 1962 simon webb and that one verse from all rise by blue yeah yeah september who were all 3rd. of those who were all of those cats that died in the plane crash like chubby Ch- um chubby checker and like oh, the, you like know eye and stuff yeah you know that was that plane crash that killed like seven really famous yeah. rock and roll guys yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. It turns out that that was all a cover up because yeah. these guys, you know, I think these guys are like they're important. Mm-hmm. You know, their dads are all like governors and politicians and CEOs. You know, it's a really exclusive one, school. One of the kids is just Prince Charles. <laughs> one of the kids is just Prince Charles. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> <Have> you, yeah. <laughs> Prince Charles having a mate called Ringu Suitcase is really funny. <laughs> So we live. I think we need. So we've we've got Ringu suitcase and Prince Charles. Maybe those are the they're the ringleaders, right? Yeah. Ringu suitcase and Prince Charles yeah. are um they're they're the, they're the guys who like started it all. And then oh. I think we need one more name character who's like a weedy one who gets bullied by the others, maybe a little bit, and he's maybe sympathetic to Robin Williams. Yeah. He's maybe trying to warn him, but hasn't really got the spine for it, and maybe comes good in the end. The little weedy one is called Scrump Dunkins. <laughs> <laughs> Scrump Duncan, heir yeah. to the Duncan Donuts fortune. Yeah. That, that's the three so, most important people in the world. The, the yeah. heir to the inventor of the suitcase fortune. The inventor of the of suitcase. <laughs> Prince <laughs> Charles and the heir to the Duncan Donuts fortune. <laughs> the idea that only invented the suitcase in the 1960s is the funniest part. <laughs> Before that, everyone was just carrying around like their arms. I was like, "This is there to be a bag." Right? Yeah. They just had bags. 
Just Hessian uh, sax before then. Yeah, I think I think Scrump is played by Jonah Hill. <laughs> yeah, Scrump is but, Jonah Hill for sure. But I got um, aged down I think jo- Prince, like Jonah Hill from Superbad. Yeah, I think Ringu Suitcase is who's that guy um, who is he's Ace in um, Starship Troopers. Oh, I don't remember. I know who you mean. You have a quick gig there. I'm going to find out, yeah, uh, because he's got the perfect face. Can I suggest Kevin Bacon for Prince Charles? <laughs> Jake Busey. Yeah, oh, that's a great name as well. <laughs> Jake Busey for uh, for Ringo Suitcase and then Kevin Bacon plays Prince Charles. Yeah. And so, may- yeah, and so that's how it's going. Maybe there's a teacher that's sp- suspicious of them. Maybe there's a teacher like... Um, the oh, art teacher. It's um, Leslie Mann. It is absolutely Leslie Mann. Because she's in every 90s kind of like this kind of film, do you know what I mean? I think it has to be sure. Leslie yeah, Mann. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And her name is just Leslie Mann. <laughs> no, yeah, but that's her last name. Her first name is Samantha and her last name is Leslie Samantha Mann. Leslieman. Yeah, so Samantha Leslieman and um, what do we call our main character? Ed Poet Society. Ed Poet Society. Yeah, Samantha Leslie Mann and Ed Poet Society, you know, maybe they strike up a rapport, right? It's not a romantic thing. Here, they here just, their you know, they just. together is so funny. Samantha Leslie Mann and Ed Poet Society. Yeah, so they're not, you know, they're not romantically attracted, really, no, but they're just good all. friends, right? Yeah. Um, he admires her talent for you know, papier-mâché sculpture. And she, in turn, you know, is a bit of a bookworm. And so they, like, you know, they sit out late at night drinking cups of tea and talking about art. Yeah, she loves his young adult series, Tony the Train Boy. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're getting on, but she's saying, you know, I don't know. I just get really weird vibes from Prince Charles and Ringu Suitcase. (laughs) Um, And I... Uh, you know, it's it's an exclusive private school. Obviously, even as teachers, we can't go everywhere. The kids have got, you know, in some ways more power than we have. But I've been doing my best to keep an eye on them. And sometimes, you know, they go to this place and we're not allowed in there. And they go and I don't know what's going on. Mm. But all I'm saying is it's a bit odd. And so, you know, that's planting the seed for, yeah. for Ed Poet Society to well, go and investigate. Maybe the next day, whenever it's like... PE class or gym class, they're all out playing rugby, and he is like Samantha. Now is the time that we can we can run up and check, and they yeah, yeah, try yeah. And climb it. And maybe they go up into the room, and as soon as they go up there, they hear like a thunderstorm outside, and they hear the the coach whistle and be like, "Right, boys, everyone into change." So then they know they've only got five minutes because they're like, "Can't play rugby in the thunderstorm," so they have to be quick, you know. That's good. Yeah, and maybe when they're up there, they can see scrump. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. So I yeah. think maybe what they what happens is they maybe they're in the dorm rooms, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they he, uh, they hear like a little clatter from like behind a wall, you know. Yeah. And like, oh, what's that? And they push it, and they sort of they find a little switch, click. Maybe there's a a portrait of um, Bingo Suitcase, the Ringo Suitcase's father, and they like you know they sort of pull that in the correct way and click the wall sort of swings back and there's a big room with all shelves full of cans of Lynx Africa and they've got labels on them, you know, uh, sonnets, sculptures, rugby, football, you know, just all these different ones. One hit wonders. Yeah, exactly. Of all different things. And maybe I'll just, they've got um, on the floor, there's like two empty cans that say rugby 
and also Scrump Duncan there with like a black eye. And he was like, there wasn't enough left for both of us. And Prince Charles kicked me in the face to get the last of it. And then, and, and then that's how, you know, they don't maybe, they don't maybe get it because they're like, what's going on here? And Scrump's like, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, and runs away. Yeah. And then they have to leave because everyone's getting back. But they're like, this is fucking, this is sus as, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe Robin Williams takes one of the Ling's Africa cans. And then there's a scene where Prince Charles and Ringu Suitcase are in there and they're looking around and they're like, somebody's taken what happened to medieval history. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's taken it. I like to think whatever can it is, it's Stephen Fry. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and so maybe... <laughs> Oh, wait, um, wait, but what, what if then Robin Williams goes out to the car, right? Because he's like, I have to be somewhere I know in private. Goes out and locks the doors, and he just sprays the can up, and like just a little ghost of Stephen Fry. A little ghost of Stephen Fry comes out. But he's out, only yeah. got the amount of spray in it, so he's like asking him all the questions about the can. He's like, we've only got a few seconds. And Stephen Fry's like, oh, bloody rude of you to waste me on this kind of thing. <laughs> and, and the whole time it's happening, Robin Williams can't really hear him because he's coughing because of all this, the the Yeah, because all of the fumes. <laughs> And then, like, he he wafts away the fog and then Coolio's just sitting in the back seat. Yeah. He's like, ah! And there's the big jump scare there. Mm. And Coolio says some other cryptic stuff. Um, And so now, yeah, so now Ed Poet Society is suspicious, but they, crucially, they're also suspicious of him. And so they're like, we might have to up our schedule, you know? Mm, Yeah, speed things along. Yeah, exactly. Ed Poet Society is becoming suspicious. And then maybe also, maybe um, Samantha Leslieman also disappears. Oh, that is good. Right? They've noticed that she's been snooping about mm-hmm. and they've got to do something about it. So Samantha Leslieman disappears and Robin Williams is like, fuck, I think maybe we've fucked up here. Yeah. I've got to save Samantha Leslieman. I reckon you have a, a thing where maybe he, um, whenever Samantha's missing... He runs to Scrump and he's like, I know you're not a bad kid. And I know that you just want to fit in with everyone, but like people are going to get hurt here. And he's like, I'm going to get hurt here. And then Scrum's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And he just uses the last little bit of the spread to shoot out. Stephen Friday's like, he's like, I always thought you were a good boy, Scrump, but it turns out you're nothing but a little coward. And then just disappears. <laughs> That's nice, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then um, we have... You know, the classic scene where, like, Scrump's like, okay, I'll help you. Meet me in the dormitories, you know. They're going out for sport again. I never get to play sport. They'll never, they never let me have the can that makes mm-hmm. me good at sport. Meet me there, and I'll tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll show you what's up. Uh, and so he does. He goes there, and Scrump is there too. And, he, you know, he clicks open the thing, and he goes in, and Scrump's there. And he's like, so Scrump, tell me what it's all about. And Scrump doesn't say anything. And he's just, you can see he's shaking a little bit. Uh, and Ed Post side, he's like, Robin Williams is like, what's up? Come on, you said you'd tell me. Don't fuck about. Where's Samantha? Um, Leslie Munn, tell me what's going on. And Scrumptious goes, I'm sorry. And then, bam, it goes black. He gets coshed on the back of the head. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Everything is black. He wakes up, he's in a cage with Samantha Leslie Munn, maybe. They're mm-hmm. all there. They're in hoods, capes. 
I would say Scrump isn't in the cage, but you can see he's clearly got another black eye, but he is still wearing the gear. Yes, stuff yeah, like. yeah. He's not. He's partaking, but he doesn't look happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and they, and then that, that's when they explain that they've been doing this for years. All the elite of this country mm-hmm. have been sucking the creativity and the life out of artists in order to be better, faster, stronger. Daft Punk yeah. was one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> They were the first to go. <laughs> yeah, and they explain that, you know, all of this is because, you know, the um, back in the Founding Father days or whatever, they discovered this temple to, like, an old demon or something, or they set an old demon free that they didn't mean to, and they had to make a deal with it or whatever. And so this has come down to this, you know, even in the present day, this is still what happens. And we call it the Dead Poet Society, and Ed Poet Society, now it's time for you to get in a bottle of Lynx Africa, we're going to throw you off a bridge. Yeah. I think and what they... happens here is they open the cage, right? And they start dragging him out and he's like flailing mm. around trying to stop them. And in the background, you just start hearing a hissing sound and everyone turns and there's a Lynx Africa can on the ground with a knife through it that was the one that says football. And a large David Beckham appears and all the kids start going... <gasps> Oh, Captain, my Captain, and they look because they're so shocked at seeing David Beckham. And See, I thought maybe that bit was a bit of the ritual where oh, maybe, yeah. they maybe would summon like the entity and, you know, it would be there like with all tentacles <laughs> and it's wearing a captain's hat and they all get up and they're like, oh, Captain, my Captain. It's very funny if it's just Captain Hook. Oh, Captain Hook. Robert Williams is in Hook. <laughs> It's a sequel. It's a prequel to Hook. That's well. pretty good. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah. Okay. Maybe there's a big evil monster there. That's part of the ceremony. That's good also. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they owe Captain my captain it. And I don't know. The question is, does this have a happy ending? Does Robin Williams get away? Or is it one of those ones where it's like the ending is them going, oh, Captain, my captain, oh, Captain, my captain a bunch of times. And then they just toss him off the roof. Well, I was thinking what would happen is maybe then, maybe as they've they've got, he's like kneeling in front of a fire or something, and the big creature's like crawling out of the fire, about to like suck him into the can or whatever. Scrump pushes the like the racking of all the other ones over, and all the cans land at the same time. So then you've all the people who've oh, been trapped. Oh, that's good. All then fight the kids and the monster. Do you mean? But they've also only got the time that the cans have, so they have to do it like in a very short space of time. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so. Yeah, so um, that's great. So they they do that. Yeah, they're summoning it and um, Scrump pushes them all over and they all sort of explode and there's a huge cloud and they're like, oh God, Scrump, what have you done? And Mm -hmm. the cloud starts to coalesce. And what we need is somebody who does like everything, Mm. right? Who's an actor who's like an actor and a musician and an author and an activist, and... Mm, um, Jeremy Ranner. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So the cloud coalesces into, like, a giant Jeremy Renner, and giant Jeremy Renner just, like, socks the big monster in the face. Yeah. <clears throat> and they start to have, like, a full-on kaiju battle throughout the school. Yeah. Right? Everything's getting knocked over, um, cultists, kids, you know, Ringu suitcase gets stepped on. Um, Prince Charles is like, oh, I've got to go out of here. 
uh, and he, you know, sprints off and people are getting disemboweled as like Jeremy Renner, gassiest Jeremy Renner mm-hmm. and um, the, the, the monster are fighting across the yard, across the school, knocking everything down. And it seems like, you know, it's almost like the, the, it's almost like Jeremy Renner has the upper hand, but not quite. They can't quite push it over the edge. And Coolio, Coolio appears for one last time to Robin Williams, to Ed Poet Society. And he's like, I know exactly what he says, Matt. I've got the exact words. Go for it. Give he it. turns to him and he says, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I took a look at my life and realized there's not much left. That's very good. Yes. <laughs> he does that quote. And then <laughs> the gangster's paradise starts, like the yeah. instrumental starts uh... playing. Yeah, as he flies into the gaseous form of Jeremy Renner, and that gives like they start glowing from within because the power has you know they've tipped over the edge of power now, and uh, they kick the shit out of the monster, pull its tentacles off, and then like it just you know as the monster dies, you see the gaseous Jeremy Renner split up into all the various souls that once contained it, and they all just shoot off. And you can, you know, they all shoot off and disappear. As, uh, you know, Samantha um, Leslieman comes over and she helps Robin Williams out of the rubble. And they both go over, you know, and they find Scrump and they sort of pull him up and they're like, we know that, you know, you were bullied into this and that you did your best. Um, how would you like to come home with us? And they adopt <laughs> oh, Scrump. Oh, I love and, the adoption, yeah. Even yeah, though his dad was they, the owner of Dunkin' Donuts. But it's yeah, like, even though he still yeah. has parents. Yeah. Do all the kids and then survive? Them, yeah. No, no, no. I think most of them die. I think Prince Charles escapes. Ringu suitcase definitely well, dies. I, I was going to say, because they all have like the spirits kind of in them, maybe whenever it's pulled out of them, you know, it's just kind of like literally rips out of all of them. So they all kind of Oh, that's down. very good. Yeah. But I like the idea that, Absolutely. Um, that maybe because they've just been playing rugby beforehand, maybe Prince Charles is wearing like, you know, like gloves or something because he was outside. And it all yeah. has to come out his fingertips, but the gloves kind of stop it. So eventually he just kind of vomits them up. But that's why now he has big inflatable hands. You know how his hands are real yeah. big and fat now? It's because the ghosts were trying to get out of it and they couldn't fit out. So that's why he's got the big sausage fingers. Because at one point they had like 16 people at each of those fingers. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, so maybe that's like, and so it fades out, right? It fades out on them walking away from the wreckage. Yeah you know, over the corpses of exploded children, um, over the wreckage of the school, walking away, and Robin Williams is like, you know, did this party night, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I could go for a coffee or something. Or maybe, like, <laughs> he picks up a book of, like, his poetry or something. He picks up a book and he's like, you know, in, in the way that in um, Poltergeist, they <laughs> put the... They put the um, TV outside at the end. Yeah. Maybe they go back to like Ed Poet Society's house and then you just see the window open and all of the deo- like three cans of deodorant come <laughs> flying out. Yeah. And that's the last shot. But then, post credit scene. It's the wreckage. It's night. Smoldering mm. fires, burning. Um, as you can just hear, come on, come on, come on. Um, and you see Prince Charles, hands as big as hams. <laughs> <laughs> desperately yeah. sorting through the wreckage and you see um he he sort of goes aha and he goes diving in you know scrabbling in right and he pulls out the corpse of ringu suitcase 
and you can see around his neck is like a little medallion, you know, with yeah. like the symbol of the Dead Poets Society on it, maybe some sort of cult symbol. Mm-hmm. And he rips that off him. And you can see that, you know, he sort of bends over it and he opens it up. And inside, there's like maybe a little bit of tentacle or something, or a little oh. like. Either you're going to say a, a, maybe. a little tiny roll on deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> also good. But yeah. I was thinking maybe just like a little piece of the monster, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's still alive, still moving. And he's like, it's not over. It's not over. Because it's literary. Maybe it's just a little tiny beating heart, like the telltale heart. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. If you do have a sequel, you could have it where it starts with him going and taking it out of the floor. Because you know when the telltale heart, the whole thing is the person goes mad with guilt. Maybe yes. he goes mad because he's let this corruptive nature thing in his house the whole time. That's it. So you can have it parodied in the sequel, the start of the telltale Yeah, house, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. So yeah, and that's the end credit scene. It's Prince Charles goes, it's not over. Yeah. Cut to black. I like it. I think that's much better. I'd like you to know I've just opened the plot for the film and the first thing it says is in 1959. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so we were pretty close. Yeah. yeah. All right, Matt, All right. strap in. This is, uh, this is long. Okay. <laughs> uh, here we go. In 1959, Todd Anderson begins his junior year of high school at Welton Academy. Just as a quick note, Matt. Who do you think yep. plays uh, Todd Anderson? Um, it's a it's someone famous. Is it Kevin Bacon? No, it's Ethan Hawke. Ah, the, yeah. they are very similar. Yeah. I thought Ethan Hawke was Kevin Bacon for a lot of Moon Knight. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, uh, assigned one of Walton's most promising students, S- senior Neil Perry, as his roommate, he meets his friends. Oh my God, Matt, this genuinely sounds like a name we've made up. Knox Overstreet. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest are normal. Richard Cameron, Stephen Meeks, Jared Pitts, and Charlie Dalton. On the first day of classes, the boys are surprised by the unorthodox teaching mas- methods of new English teacher John Keating. Of course uh, he's got unorthodox teaching methods. It's yeah. Robin Williams. Yeah, it's like Patch. It's like, oh, don't worry about being sick. Just laugh. Ha ha. That is a Robin Williams film, isn't it? Patch Adams. Am I going mad? It is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a Walton alumnus himself, Keaton encourages his students to make your lives extraordinary. A sentiment he summarizes with the Latin expression carpe diem. Oh, I did remember that was in the film. Oh. Subsequent mm. lessons include Keating having the students take turns standing on his desk to demonstrate ways to look at life differently, telling them to rip out the introduction of their poetry book, which explains a mathematical formula used for reading poetry, and inviting them to, inviting them to make up their own style of walking in a courtyard to encourage their individualism. <laughs> uh, Keating's methods attract the attention of strict headmaster Gail Nolan. Oh no. Upon learning that Keating... Yeah, Gail Nolan sounds like a rude person, doesn't it? Yeah. No one has ever been nice and been called Gail. I'll make that claim now. <laughs> no, absolutely not. They should do a reboot of this starring... Jack Black and the principal from School of Rock, whose name I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a good idea. Um, upon learning that Keating was a member Joan of... Joan Cusack. Uh, oh, yes, of course it's Joan Cusack, yes. Uh, upon learning that Keating was a member of the unsanctioned Dead Poets Society while at Mel- Welton, Neil restarts the club and he and his friends sneak off campus to a cave where they read poetry. Uh, this does sound pretty culty. As the school yeah, year I think progresses, this is cult vibes. Yeah. As the school year progresses, Keating's lessons and their involvement with the club encourage them to live their lives in their own terms. Knox pursues Chris Noel, 
an attractive cheerleader who is dating Chet Danbury, a football player from a local public school whose family is just friends with his. Neil discovers his love of acting and gets a role as Puck in the local production of A Midsummer's Night Dream. Despite the fact that his domineering father wants him to attend Harvard, Harvard to study medicine. Meanwhile, Keating helps Todd come out of his shell and realizes his potential when he takes him through an exercise in self-expression, resulting in him composing a poem spontaneously in front of the class. Do we have any spontaneous poems now? I suppose I had the one from Curlio. I mean, I think they were, Im- yeah, yeah, they were implied. You know, it was implied that our students were doing yeah, all kinds of shit like that. Uh, Charlie publishes an article in the school newspaper in the club's name suggesting that girls will be admitted to Welton. Nolan paddles Charlie. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> to coerce him into Jesus revealing Christ. who else in the Dead Poet Society. It is 1959, to be fair. But I guess this. so. Uh, Nolan also speaks with Keating, warning him that he should discourage his students from questioning authority. Keating admonishes the boys in his manner, warning that one must assess all consequences. Neil becomes devastated after his father discovers his involvement in the play and demands he quit on the eve of the opening performance. He goes to Keating who advises him to stand his ground and prove to his father that his love of acting is something he takes seriously. Neil's father unexpectedly shows up to their performance. He angrily takes Neil home and has him withdrawn from Welton and enrolled in a military academy. Lacking any support Oof. from his concerned mother and unable to explain how he feels to his father. Oh wait, I think uh, I know what happens and it's yep. very sad. Yep, a distraught Neil. Yeah, well, uh, you can figure out yourself. Uh, yeah, Neil yeah, yeah. investigates Neil's death at the request of the Perry family. Cameron blames Neil's death on Keating to escape punishment for his own participation in the Dead Poet Society and names the other members. Confronted by Charlie, Cameron urges the rest of them to let Keating take the fall. Charlie punches Cameron and is expelled. Each of the boys is called to Nolan's office to sign a letter attesting to the truth of Cameron's allegations, even knowing they are false. When Todd's turn comes, he is reluctant to sign, but does so after saying the others have com- complied and succumbs to his parents' pressure. Keating is fired and Nolan takes over teaching the class with the intent of adhering to traditional Welton rules. Keating interrupts the class to gather his leftover belongings. As he leaves, Todd reveals to Keating that the boys were intimidated into signing the paper that sealed his fate, and he assured Todd that he believes him. Nolan threatens to expel Todd. Todd stands up on his desk with the words, Oh Captain, my Captain which prompts Nolan to threaten him again. Other members of the Dead Poets Society, except for Cameron, as well as several other students in the class do the same to Nolan's fury, and Keating's pleased surprise. That doesn't make sense. Keating thanks the boys and departs, and mm. that's it. Wow. Good, what a sad movie. Yep. Not enough ghosts. <laughs> no, bad ending. Yeah. Uh, sorry we got you fired, sir. That's all right. I'm going now. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Oh, that's yeah. nice. <laughs> you're, uh, yeah, you're all going to get disciplined for this, and then your schooling will also be bad. Continue to be bad. <laughs> yeah. To be anyway, fair, it sounds like a good movie. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that is exactly what you said. A film I'd watch, enjoy the nice, but yeah. have a good cry. <laughs> you ever watch Remember the Titans? No. Remember the Titans has one bit in it I remember that is a speech, and I have one sad bit, and I watched the I watched the entirety of that film for those two individual parts where I'm like, I'll get inspired at one point, I'll be sad at another. <laughs> That'll be it. <laughs> Very good. Well, I don't feel like we really even got ten percent of that, right? Mm. We certainly had teachers in it. <laughs> there certainly were teachers in it. There certainly were Robin Williams is in it. That really is about it. Mm. Which one's better? I mean, for me, I think I would prefer a cult horror movie about children stealing the souls of literary figures. 
I think but, if you told me there was a film that had Robin Williams, Leslie Mann, and Curleo as the main three protagonists, I'd watch it regardless. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, I think I would watch, but I would enjoy watching both. Yeah. Right? For different reasons and in different times of my life. Dead Poets Society is a watch on your own in a rainy day film. Dead Poets Society yeah. by What the Flick is a watch with a bunch of your mates while you're all drinking and going, what the fuck's this? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And both valid. Both art. Yeah. Both um, are art. But yeah. That's important to remember. Yeah, absolutely. But let us know which you preferred. Send send your posters. Your and send your posters to at FlickPod69 on Twitter and on Instagram. Whatever Twitter account we have. At what the flick, probably. Yeah. Nope. It's at FlickPod69. It'll probably be at WTF Pod will definitely be taken. Almost certainly. In fact, that is that is literally that is literally what Mark Maron's podcast is called. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, we might have <laughs> yeah. fucked up on the acronym for this one. Anyway, that's it, folks. Give us the sign off, Mac. Uh, it's a good day to be a bad boy, but it's a great day to be a poster boy. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time. <laughs>